Hey guys, this uh, episode of your Coach Baseball Academy podcast is brought to you by Born in the Cage Apparel. Go to borninthecage.com. You can check them out. Awesome shirt right here. Pro America, Born in the Cage. Love the flag right here with the baseball at the top. Also got a new banner from these guys. These guys are awesome. Derek, Bino, big shout out. Uh, good luck in Arizona. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping if we'll see if we can get out there. If not Arizona, then Florida. Maybe I'll get up with you guys. Uh, got a guy out here in Colorado probably could do some decent catching for you. Uh, sometime maybe we'll try to get it there uh, um, also check out my website emeraldcoastbaseballacademy.com you can go to the youtube channel follow me on instagram jasontez34 we're going to have uh, a new shirt line coming out uh, just a bunch of new uh, information uh, eric welcome to the show i appreciate getting us getting together i know we did some texting trying to get some uh, things situated but uh thanks for coming on well thanks for having me Awesome. Well, we'll jump right into it. You and I played together. Uh, I met you at the end of your college uh, uh, senior season. Uh, graduated from Mesa College in Colorado, right? Yeah, Colorado Mesa University. Fresh out. Fresh out. Colorado Mesa. Freshy got in, jumped in right into the uh, Santa Fe Fuego, the Fuegans, and uh, <laughs> immediately got you got to some Bill Moreisms and jumped right in and. Yeah, that, that bunch we had was uh, man. We still t- I still talk to a lot of those guys now, including yourself. Uh, we just had a, just had a blast. A lot of really good uh, uh, baseball minds and just good people and guys that you want to keep up with the friendships the rest of your life. And and uh, so in comparison to that team to this team this year, by the way, I'll go let everybody know you were the MVP of the Pecos League. Uh, uh, congratulations! I mean, being the MVP of anything is is just outstanding. So. Big, big shout out and big uh, props to yourself. And you also brought home the ship uh, yeah. uh, this year. Uh, got the got the ring this year. Got, yeah, finally got us, it for for Santa Fe. Yeah. Well, tell tell us about your experience and how everything went this year. Well, to start out, uh, Bill Moore isms is uh, kind of uh, needing explaining. He's a uh, older, very smart baseball coach, and he you immediately love him. The second you meet him. Yeah. For uh, those that, don't, that haven't seen you, Bill was on the podcast. We, we, we spent about two hours with him. And okay. He and I, he, you know, I don't know if you've seen it. You probably haven't, but go check I that haven't. out. Bill gets after it for two hours on this thing. And we, <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. The guy's a talker. He's one of the best coaches that I've played for in my lifetime, and you know, oh, I just yeah. love the guy to death. Absolutely. I uh, My first experience with him was uh, – he uh, actually traded for me for I came from Taos to Santa Fe, and his first my first meeting with him I shook his hand I said uh, thank you for having me what would you like me to do and in a G-rated version he was like who are you <laughs> uh, I was like all right uh, I'm I'm a catcher <laughs> I'm here to play some baseball and from that point on I mean. We just, uh, I got to meet you. I got to meet a bunch of uh, great guys on that team. It was a lot of fun that year. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So what, and I asked Bill this, and he gave me a couple answers. What, what was your version? What's what's your opinion on what was different between our team and the team you guys won the ship with this past year? Well, the, I think the main difference um, is from the beginning, Bill kind of gave us a uh, speech about how we're a family. And, you know, I know the year that I was there, uh, that was a family, but it was more this year of, you know, we each had each other's backs. There was no real clicks on the team. 
we all got along with each other and I know um, especially in a couple cases if you did have a disagreement or uh, you know anything wrong with something that somebody said or did it was addressed immediately and we kind of treated each other more like best friends rather than friends whereas a friend you would just kind of you know, maybe not talk to that person or maybe just kind of go talk to someone else about it and get some people on your side. Whereas a best friend, you're going to be like, Hey, what's going on? Why did this happen? What, you know, and you kind of, you kind of get it at the source. And, you know, after that, it's all better because of it. You know, you each kind of get your opinions out there and you come to a conclusion and that way you can focus more on baseball and focus more on, uh, you know, trying to win ball games. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I, I, you hear all um, Hall of Famers all the time, or guys that are talking about one of the biggest things that that people miss away from the game, and it's the camaraderie and that family feeling. And for for those who uh, haven't experienced that yet, especially uh, when I'm doing lessons, these youngsters, I see you know bouncing from team to team, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if you want to play a lot of baseball, I have nothing wrong with playing a lot of baseball. But there's nothing like being on a team that wants you. But not only wants you, wants you to do your best every time and expects that and wants you to expect that of them also. And that's one thing that I really liked about our team is, you know, Bill being the manager, he was able to manage a lot of the games. He didn't have to manage personalities. We did have a couple guys, the franchise, some people like that, you know. A little brought bit. brought that up in the podcast, you know. Uh, some yeah. People like, but, you know, that was one of the things I was always, you know, it was my second year when it was your first year with Bill. And uh, he traded for me also, and, and I got uh, I, I came over, and I hadn't even been to Santa Fe in the Pecos League, actually. And it was just one of those situations. I got there, saw right field, saw the field, and I was like, where am I? Like, what is going on, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, before you got there, I don't know if you know this, but I built that bullpen mound down right field because I was tired of not having one. Uh, it was me, and well, I, I, I won't take all the credit for it. I'd say every pitcher helped contribute to it. But we got we went we made per bucket. I think it took us like seventy five buckets of dirt, and we literally digged up the warning track and made the bullpen mound. Is what we did. It was that was yeah. the the same thing at the beginning of this year. Uh, we got there, and this is our field, and it was like okay, where's the bullpen? <laughs> and it had turned into uh, where the rubber was actually was about a six inch drop cutout. Um, where it looked like water had just poured over it and just dug it out. Yeah. And so we actually were fortunate enough to have a couple guys get um, bags of clay. And that really helped. We just spent kind of a full day um, about, I don't know, there's four or five guys that spent probably a good four hours on it. And then when everyone showed up before the game, we all kicked in and finished up. But um, made that bullpen mound as – close to if not identical to the mound they'd be pitching off of in the game which well, was really helpful knowing how information works in the Pecos like Bill actually exposed that uh, Mr. Dunn spent money on that clay that came from the league so wow. yeah okay oh all right <laughs> yeah so I mean investing in the team you know you got to protect the team that draws the most fans you know I um, guess so the atmosphere last year uh, or this past season to, to our season, uh, did you feel like the fans were about the same? Did you have more fans? Uh, tell us about the disappearance of the beer garden. Um, it uh, kind of affected the game in that 
there wasn't so much rowdiness as a dedication. So the people who were there um, were there because they enjoyed baseball and they followed us and they really cared about how we did. Uh, a lot of the host families brought out families and friends and people to the ballpark and the people who came were there because they loved the game of baseball. And I think uh, last year a little bit of that was lost because you know, the beer garden kind of brings in people who have the intention of having a good time. And that's all fun, but when it gets to a family environment, especially with Santa Fe, where a majority of the people there who live there are the older population, they, they come because they want to watch the game and they want to sit and actually watch the game. And not, so, not have a Fourth of July brawl. <laughs> yeah, and the, exactly. You know, they they really respected the game, and they showed that to us by, you know, a lot of our fans were return fans, and these were people we didn't even know, but they would come and they knew all about us. They would shake our hands, and um, you know, bef after the games, before the games, they were more than happy to just extend their their hand of friendship towards us which was great especially for a city like that that we could go in there and we could um put on that show for them and succeed so well for them awesome that yeah that's that's good to hear it sounds like it hadn't changed i was i was a big fan i still talk to my host family uh today they, they're always checking up on me with me going to mexico they were super worried about me and and stuff like that i i had a blast so let's jump right into what you and I connected on, you caught me in a game, and I swear you experimented on me on things that you thought. I don't know if you remember that game. It was a seven-game game. Distinctly. <laughs> and, and I'll never forget it because I remember you calling some pitches. And to this day, I still use some of those pitch sequences and locations. Uh, and, and I really enjoyed it. And, and you know, not getting the CG in that game still harps to me to this day. Um, but it's a different game there with the, the, the lack of the designated hitter and, and the way people get pulled out of games so early. So, and I understand that. Right. Um, and the right field fence, of course, is always, it's one, it's one swing away. Yeah. One swing away from completely changing the game in, in that ballpark. But, yeah, I distinctly remember that game with you simply because it was the first time I felt like I was in a video game, to be honest. Uh, if I called a, you know, hats off to you. When I called a pitch, you threw it there uh, within about four inches of the pocket of my glove. So whatever I called, whatever I had in my head, you were able to execute, and it made my job so much easier. And um, I always say uh, catchers are like the linemen. You know, they, they protect, they, they kind of take care of the quarterback, quarterback being the pitcher here. But um, it's really ultimately the pitcher's show. It's the pitcher who gets the glory. It's the pitcher who has the spotlight on them. And it's my job and a catcher's job to make sure that that pitcher is performing his best at, during that day and, and during that game. So, um I feel like as a catcher, the sooner you realize that, the sooner you can, you know, do what's important, which is make your pitcher successful, regardless of what's working, what's not working that day, what kind of stuff he has, what team you're playing. If you can connect with that pitcher and uh, help them succeed in any way, then you're going to be successful as a team. I will, I will tell you my uh, catcher down in Mexico uh... – my first three outings from spring training into 
into the first game of the season, I had a different guy every game. The first guy didn't speak a word of English. And I actually broke his <laughs> finger on an inside cutter to a lefty uh, on a 0-2 pitch where he was one of the guys, and in Mexico they teach a little bit different thing. If this is your glove hand, they teach the throwing hand to stay behind right here, even if no one's on, which is a little different to me. But it moved late, and he went with both hands, and this hand got outside, it got foul-tipped and broke his finger. So that's first inning, first inning of the first game against another team in spring training. Ouch. And so, and, and in practice, I hadn't even thrown to this guy. I had just spent 30 minutes. I got there 30 minutes early just so I could get translations in so we could talk about sequences, the things that I wanted to do. Then they slapped some other guy in there, haven't thrown to him at all, and I, he can't get on the same page. I can't even get him to call the cutter. I'm trying to – I don't even know what the word in Spanish for cutter is, and I'm trying to explain to him, like, uh, this uh, cutter, and, and he's like – no say, no say, which is I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and so there was, yeah. you know, was just this big language barrier thing. And, and fortunately enough, the guy that I finally got on my first start spoke English and comprehended on what – and was a real catcher. Reminded me a lot of you about – I'd say about my, my first outing, I think I went, I went like seven and two-thirds, went into the eighth inning, had like eight or nine strikeouts. And this guy, by the end of the game, is just calling James Shields back foot inside change-ups to righties, inside cutters to righties, uh, 0-2 uh, fastballs, trying to make it a two-seam, wants to throw it up and into a righty, like just getting crazy creative. And you talked about a video game earlier, and that was one of the things you, you – I think I told you that. That's like one of my favorite things to say to a guy. I'm like, you ever play 2K? And Yeah, and I go – call pitches like that and yeah like, are you serious i'm like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's hard yeah. it's crap to hit anything but the straight ball so that's right. one of the reasons i wanted to get you on here and you know the camaraderie thing i think that's huge also you you know uh i think with any ball player especially if you're getting pro ball you know when a new guy comes in you're threatened unless it's a pitcher catcher thing and some guys like to feel guys out you just have this glow about you i'm sure everybody can see it right now where you're just a nice dude. And by the way, you're not tiny either. You're a giant human. What are you, what are you coming in at now? Um, what are you about 6'5", six, 6'7"? Six, <laughs> no, um, with cleats on, we'll, we'll say that. I'm well, you six, have to, of course. 6'4". Six, six, so um, a lot of people question about how, uh, you know, being so tall and being a catcher, like how is that hard on your knees? And it's like, nah, you know, it just – work on flexibility and you'll be fine. And it, it, it works. Um, I enjoy it. I love catching, even though I'm tall, even though, you know, I might not fit the bill as a catcher type build. Um, I still, I still love it and I, I'll never trade it for anything else in the game. And I mean, people always wonder, you know, how do you get so low? It's like, well, you just get down there, you know, <laughs> you, yeah. you just yeah. do it. I don't, I don't being, know how Being to a long legger myself, I remember the first couple times I started throwing you, I was like, dang, he got down there. Like, yeah. his knees are almost on the ground. That's where he wanted to be. And so, that, you know, that hats off to you there on working on your flexibility and keeping that up. Is that something you work on in the off season, trying to get into your stance, work on things like that? Yeah, it, um, it stemmed actually from when I was in high school. I was a more of a speed guy. I was contact, run it out, um, steal bases, kind of uh, disrupt the game that way type guy. And then I got into catching in high school. And um, with speed, I've always been taught that flexibility is a key proponent of being fast. 
So um, I always work on flexibility just to be able, you know, you, you never want to go to squat down and then feel that tightness and be like, ah, you know, that's not good because with tightness comes injury. When you're not flexible, you're more prone for injury. When you're not flexible, you're a little slower. And, you know, if you, if you want that speed and if you want to be able to move around and um, not get injured or have a reduced risk of injury, then uh, flexibility is a key proponent of that. That's, I, I'm going to agree with that 100%. I think most arm injuries are actually due to uh, possible tweak and tightness. Uh, yep. and, then, and then just push through. A lot of guys uh, uh, try to go what I call, especially when I'm doing lessons, a football mentality where they think they're being weak by talking about some sort of discomfort or pain. And, and uh, I'm just, after being hurt myself and pretty much doing the exact same thing, I, if there's anything that a guy feels, first of all, I want to know about it. Uh, I've tried to absorb as much knowledge from all of the doctors and physical therapists that I've been through that now have gotten me back to where I'm at now. Um, and I feel like I'm on an, on an outstanding workout program. Um, I ended my season 120 innings, uh, was still 93-94 in my last, uh, in the, the, the eighth inning of my last game, I was still 93-94. So, you know, just going through that whole, you know, workout and everything, it was just very, it was very easy to stay flexible and keep working out and not stop work, working out or throwing. So I'm totally with you on that one. So, yep. Yeah. Now, your catching style fresh out of college, you backed up a guy, one of my favorite humans of all time, um, uh, and uh, Kellen Lee, which we're hoping to have, or the doctor, as we like to call him. The, um, the good doctor, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, your style coming out of college, I noticed you de you're definitely an observer like I am. I remember sometimes being on the bench with you and we talking about things and just talking about sequences and styles of catching and stuff like that. I'm personally a guy that, which I remember when you came out and you were you were a real shifty guy, um, and you you were what what Kellen would call framing, and you're not at the art store, you know. It's uh, right, you right. Know, and and I remember talking to you about that, or and and watching you evolve. Now, is that something that you worked on the year before to this year? Did you feel like you got even better at at almost uh, being a uh, some people call a statue of catching or, or sit and not move or, or pro style. Do you feel like you caught a difference from college to pro ball? Absolutely. Um, I will start out by saying that Kellen is the doctor. The guy uh, absolutely um, just watching him catch. A lot of people uh, wanted to know, a lot of the guys on the team this year that were new wanted to know why I didn't start the year before. And it's because Kellen was the catcher, man. Like just <laughs> – it's Kellen. You just got yeah, you you to gotta know yeah. the guy. You got to see him. You got to watch him catch. And um, I'm actually very grateful for that opportunity because uh, a lot of guys sit on the bench and they're upset. They sit on the bench, but I used it as an opportunity to learn. And I knew where my weaknesses were. And I know that if I watch someone who's good at what I'm not good at, I can learn from that, and that's exactly what I did. And like you said, you're, you're framing, but you're not at an art store. But from a little kid starting out to growing up, they tell you frame. You have to frame to be a catcher. Well, I learned that I'm not a catcher. I'm a receiver. And if I can, I call it receive and deceive, okay? So if you receive the ball correctly, you're going to deceive the guy behind you and get that call without having to frame. Okay, if you make it look 
as though you're simply just catching the ball or like I like to say is just receiving the ball, you can make it look like a strike just the same as framing, but in framing it's very obvious. So when you receive the ball, you're actually not making it obvious. Kellen was great at that. I got to learn, especially on those low pitches, to keep my thumb under the ball. I got to learn about, you know, like you said, kind of more staying still. I guess you call it the pro style. Um, basically, it's anyone can do it as long as you just watch it and you apply it. Yeah. And that's what I feel fortunate is that I got to see it, and I got I knew how I looked catching, and I know how I how I catch. And at that point, I got to just watch, and I got to catch bullpens every day for guys going in, you know, warm up guys. And bullpens were my best time for practice because that's what a catcher does. They catch a million bullpens. Well, you know, are you going to take those bullpens as a, oh, man, another bullpen, or are you going to take it as a good practice, as a good way to work on what you need to work on? And so what I did is I tried to apply those things while I was catching. And, of course, it's not going to come right away. You're going to mess up. You're going to get caught. You're going to do things wrong. But through that, you learn how to do it, and that's what I did. I learned how to do it. I learned how to – catch guys that were throwing 94 95 miles per hour and you know bowser crow hopping off the mound you know <laughs> coming in at 92 miles an hour but he's 10 feet closer after that crow hop uh yeah. you know you, you learn real quick how to how to receive yeah no lights in the bullpen by the way you're just working <laughs> off the lights from the field um and it you know it was a learning process and so I was so excited to go back this year is because I, I got to learn so much. I got to talk to you guys that, you know, kind of veterans that have been there. I've got, I got to see Kellen. He was the all-star starting catcher, you know, in that was responsible for nine outs in the freaking all-star game. I could, I told someone that the other day, I'm like, he made by himself nine outs. Okay, exactly. That's unbelievable. That's three innings of a game. And, like, and, and I, I got the privilege to sit there and have a front front row seat and and see that, and it it actually it just drove me to be a better catcher. It drove me to be a better receiver, and it helped me to just work in that off season and catch bullpens and not just sit there and catch a bullpen. To sit there and pretend like it's a game and really work on my receiving, work on my blocking. You know, I got to learn how to talk to pitchers. That's another huge thing. You know, it's every pitcher is different. Every pitcher has a different personality. And each guy you have to approach a different way. And you learn how to talk to guys. You learn their strengths, their weaknesses. And you learn kind of the psychological part of it as well. So I took, I mean, I took that as a, as like a, my own little personal catching school, you know. Yeah. And then when I came back this year, it was just, I was so excited because I finally got to, um, apply it to yeah. a game to a team instead of just uh, trying to apply it to guys that you know who are still in college or whatever that you know whoever I whoever hey man you want to throw a bullpen come you know let me catch you you know I actually got to apply it to a team atmosphere and yeah. that I mean that was part of the excitement of coming back well and so you trained with a college was it a college you went to uh, in between seasons yeah I, I um Caught some guys from the college I went to because I live in the same town. And also there was a guy who played for Alpine, um, actually played for Alpine this last year, who we ended up – we started on the same team. I got traded to Santa Fe. He got traded to Alpine. 
and he was going back to Alpine. I was going back to Santa Fe. So we worked together um, religiously. You know, I got to catch him a lot, and I got to really, you know, work a lot with him. So that was good. Right on, right on. Um, that's that's great, man. I I, uh, I got to train. Uh, I'm still training right now uh, at one of the local junior colleges. Uh, the guy that was my pitching coach in junior college is now the head coach of the place that's pretty much in town. So I get, once a week I get to go fired up game speed and uh i'll tell you this if you if you don't believe me i'll I'll, uh, I'll give you the phone number of the guy but uh last last monday i threw 155 pitches um straight in a in-game situation and i will tell everybody the secret the secret to being able to throw long in games is training like that and i don't go out and pitch like it's innings i never stop i i go out and go batter after batter after batter and I want to beat my pitch count. I'm not even worried about if the, if the kids hit me or not. First of all, they got aluminum bats, and it's just cheating anyway. But I want to beat that to increase my strength. So I'm pretty excited about where I'm starting this year and already being able to get to that mount. Last year, right before I headed down to Mexico, I, I ended up right around 200 pitches um, per outing. And it's just like long tossing for a long amount of time. I'm not going out and throwing a bunch of curveballs or a bunch of sliders or a bunch of things that are going to hurt my arm. I will snap some off, you know, make sure kid knows who's boss every once in a while, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm going to mainly yeah. say four seam, two seam, cutter, change, and, and mix, and try to pitch with those pitches and, and, and deceive guys, you know, like you're talking about. So that's that's awesome. That, you know, uh, uh, and one of the things I think is hilarious is, is how um, uh, disillusioned some of these college kids are from the pro game. You know, you coming in, and, and you you know some of the guys that are even on your team that came in that were the hot shot guy. Came, you know, college was easy. I dominated college, and I'm, you know, we're all going like, yo, you don't know what's going on. You're 7,000 feet above sea level. It's a 13-year-old ballpark. Like, you're about to get yeah. humbled real quick. You know, one, right. one pitch, just one even even if it's not even really your fault, one slight twist of you know the ball moves in your hand or something like that, and it flutters, and the guy gave even. I mean, I gave up two broken bat home runs this, that that year with you. I mean, legitimate dodge the barrel. Where did the ball go? You're kidding me. It went out. How did it yeah. go out? You know. Yeah. And so it, it, that's just one of those things. That's all. And the the guys who who have the or this year who had the most success were the ones who um didn't come in too big on themselves who came in a little more humble who learned and didn't let a broken bat walt fence scraper at 273 feet yeah. you know ruin their day or get to them you know they knew they made a good pitch they knew they broke the guy's bat or they got it off the handle or off the end they knew they succeeded in what they wanted to do it's just they didn't get the outcome because of factors that they can't control. And the guys who learned that from the start had the most success because it wouldn't get to them. They wouldn't be upset about giving up a home run. They wouldn't be upset because our guys could hit that and do just about the same thing. So the guys who were able to learn that and able to, to, to get that through their head sooner were the ones who had the most success. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so (laughs) That's that's pretty funny. I mean, it's it's such a it's such a hilarious situation to even go through. You know, everybody's gotta start from the bottom and really get through that. And, and once it, it's all it's all, it's hard to even imagine, really. You know, especially you guys going through college and 
being on legit fields and then just being welcome to the world of independent baseball and see what happens, and you just got to deal. Um, all right, well, let's jump right into what you and I really connected on, which is sequences. And I, and I want to be specific about this because I feel like even if you do this in the bullpen, I feel like it doesn't give you any confidence or anything. And I always tell everybody, if I can go up and pitch to batters alone in the offseason, which is hopefully this is what I get to do, I feel like I'm going to be such a better pitcher when I get in the season because it's second in nature. I don't think there's anything different than competing in situations, and it helps out guys on both ends. The thing that I'm excited about these college kids is I get to help them see another arm, a guy that throws all kinds of different pitches, and then they get to help me by trying to hit off me and just having someone in there that's trying to compete against me. And I like that. I like. I don't care if there's not even a scoreboard on at the field, and I'm competing, you know. And the funny thing is, is uh, one of the guys I played against in high school. Uh, is one of the assistant coaches there. He still brings up to this day that I threw a no-hitter his last game of his high school career. He's upset about that. Like, he is pissed. <laughs> and so when I show up, there's like this little animosity for a minute, you know, and he's a hitting coach too. And he's like, if you strike out more than 13 people a day, they're running five miles tomorrow morning. And I say, well, let's do it. Let's, let's, put, let's put it on, you know. And so I, I've done it a couple times. And, they, and it brings them it, – it adds this level of competition – for these guys, for an outside guy to come in and them really want to compete against me because they know if, if they get showed up and they don't do their job, they're running in, at 6 o'clock in the morning, which is completely different than pro ball. But, you know, a college is yeah. not that at all, you know. Right, 6 a.m. Right. whatever is, is yeah. prevention from you doing anything the night before except for exactly. just counting down the minutes until you have to wake up to be there. So Absolutely. <laughs> all right, so... We talked a little bit earlier about some specific pitches, some inside cutters, uh, arm side to guys. Um, I got a lot of these ideas watching guys like uh, John Lester. Uh, Andy Pettit was one of the one of the guys that I really had never seen anybody throw an arm side breaking ball. As a matter of fact, I remember hearing people all the time back in the 90s saying that it was a backup slider. You know, like like he had, hadn't done it on purpose. 